Welcome to First Formation, spiritual exercise for Christian soldiers looking to get the fuck up and pray. Join Pew Pew HQ every weekday morning to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Good morning. This is the Reverend Molly Shivers. I work for the North Carolina Conference of the United Methodist Church, where I am Director of Conflict Transformation Ministries. Our first reading comes from Psalm 27. Hear the word of the Lord. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and foes, they shall stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise up against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will set me high on a rock. Now my head is lifted above, up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. Come, my heart says, seek his face. Your face, Lord, do I seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger, you who have been my help. Do not cast me off. Do not forsake me, O God of my salvation. If my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Do not give me up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they are breathing out violence. I believe that I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Our second reading is from the book of Genesis, the 14th chapter, verses 17 through 24. After his return from the defeat of Chedorlaomer, and the kings who were with him. The king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Shaveh, that is, the king's valley. And King Melchizedek of Salem brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of the God Most High. He blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, maker of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave him one-tenth of everything. 
Then the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the persons, but take the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have sworn to the Lord God Most High, maker of heaven and earth, that I would not take a thread or a sandal thong or anything that is yours, so that you might not say, I have made Abram rich. I will take nothing but what the young men have eaten, and the share of the men who went with me, Aner, Eshkol, and Mamre. Let them take their share. Our final reading is from Paul's letter to the Philippians, the third chapter, verses 17 through 20. Brothers and sisters, join in imitating me and observe those who live according to the example you have in us. For many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. I have often told you of them, and now I tell you even with tears. Their end is destruction, their God is the belly, and their glory is in their shame. Their minds are set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and it is from there that we are expecting a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humiliation that it may be conformed to the body of his glory by the power that also enables him to make all things subject to himself. Good morning and welcome to the first Friday of Lent. This is Brother Logan Isaac broadcasting from Walkersville, Maryland. This morning's readings come to us from Psalm 27. Genesis 14 and Philippians 3. We uh, talked a little bit about Philippians yesterday, um, so I feel bad talking about it again, but there's something important to point out um, that is, I don't think people overlook it all that much, but I think it's an important link that gets downplayed. Um, Just like I think the fact that Philippians is a military town gets downplayed. Um, And that is this word uh, in verse 20, our citizenship is in heaven. And uh, this word also appears, it's actually kind of rare, especially for um, Paul, but um, citizenship in this case, uh, it's a noun, and elsewhere it's a verb, it's a very slight difference, but uh, here it's politeuma, and politeia is the same word that... um, Claudius Lysias uses in uh, his interaction with Paul in Acts 22. And Claudius, so to recap, he, uh, Saul returns to Jerusalem and he's um, essentially his last kind of stand. This is like the, the closing chapters of Acts. And as it is common, Jews are upset. They, they, form a mob, they start beating him up, and Claudius Lysias is the, is the tribune, supposedly, he's, he may not be, he's probably the, the centurion, but whatever. Um, the, uh, they start forming a mob, and he sends soldiers out to protect Paul, and it was customary, like, if you needed information, you just beat people up, and so he's like, why are these people, you know, why, you, how, why have they gotten so riled up? And so he gets ready to interrogate, quote-unquote, Paul. And uh, Paul says, wait, is it lawful 
to flog or beat a Roman. And some translations have citizenship like two or three times in this exchange, but it only appears once on Claudius's lips. And essentially, Saul says, you know, can you beat up a Roman? And the sergeant is like, oh, I better go tell the tribune. Um, so he tells Claudius Lysias, and that kind of freaks him out. And so Saul goes before Claudius Lysias himself, and he says, uh, Claudius says, um, I, I heard you're a Roman, uh, Romeos. It doesn't say citizenship yet. And uh, Lysias says, I had to purchase my politeia, my citizenship, at a great price. And his, his name, Claudius Lysias, indicates that he probably purchased his freedom from uh, uh, the Emperor Claudius's wife. Um, and uh, it was only after he got his citizenship that he would have been able to serve in such a high role. So he, I take that back. He probably was a tribune. Uh, tribunes were young Roman citizens, and um, they nominally led uh, two cohorts um, as leaders of a thousand-ish. Um, but they typically, like if it was a regular situation, the tribune probably would have lived and stayed in Caesarea with the governor, with Pilate or whoever at the time. At the time, I think it was Festus or Felix. Anyway, um, so that the fact that he's actually staying in Jerusalem indicates he's of low status. He's not. He doesn't really realize that like um, senatorial class is supposed to kind of hang out, and tribunes are supposed to hang out with other nobility, like the governor. Um, so that he's that he's even in Jerusalem um, is is weird, and he uh, he says I purchased it. Uh, with a great sum of money. And sometimes politeia is translated citizenship, which is probably more technically accurate. Sometimes it's translated freedom, which is more socially um, uh, coherent, I suppose, because it was. Citizenship in Rome was freedom, just like we think citizenship here in the United States is, is freedom. It's kind of what we're buying into and maybe also some like economic opportunity is sprinkled on top. Um, and so that that this word is used, and then Paul uses it later in Philippians, talking to a military community is significant. Because in, in, the, in the New Testament, we have this account of a military person who had to buy their own citizenship, their own freedom, their own status. Um, and usually, as both in Rome and today in the United States, you typically join the military, and one of the incentives is citizenship. If you're not a citizen, you can become one, but if you are, you're supposed to be kind of, I mean, we don't say it, but um, the civil rights movement kind of laid it bare. If you served in the military, you should, you deserve all the rights of citizenship. Um, you know, they, the the civil rights movement was started by black World War II and World War I veterans who expected that if they served, they, you know, all the all the stuff that they encountered would be 
you know, certainly not washed away, but they would have some protection from it, and it wasn't true. And here in Rome, we get the same sense that somebody, you know, their service is not enough. Well, in Lysus's case, it's not technically true. He wanted it faster than he would have gotten it had he served, and so he purchases it. And so it's a really interesting subject um, as it, you know, accompanies military service um, because of this clearly, you know, almost timeless expectation that service and freedom or citizenship are so are so intimately linked. And so I think Paul's hearers in Philippi would have connected to that. You don't have to purchase your citizenship from God. You know, you don't have to follow the law in order to get the, you know, to to get salvation. It helps, but don't don't put it on such a pedestal that, you know, you you lose sight of what's really going on. And it's good news that your citizenship is in Lord, in the Lord Jesus Christ in heaven. Um because you know you don't have to earn enough money, you don't have to prove yourself. It's given freely um, to those who who seek it, um, and it sets up the sharp contrast with our ideas of freedom and citizenship and how the secular world doles it out, um, either you know with a large sum of money or only at the tail end of military service for those who aren't fortunate enough to have been born as Paul was born a Roman or born a citizen. A prayer for all sorts and conditions of people from the Book of Common Prayer. O God, the creator and preserver of all humanity, we humbly beseech you for all sorts and conditions of people that you would be pleased to make your ways known to them your saving health unto all nations. More especially we pray for the Holy Church Universal, that it may be so guided and governed by your good spirit, that all who profess and call themselves Christians may be led into the way of truth and hold the faith and unity of spirit in the bond of peace and in righteousness of life. Finally, we commend to your fatherly goodness all those who are in any ways afflicted or distressed in mind, body, or estate, that it may please you to comfort and relieve them according to their several necessities, giving them patience under their sufferings, and a a happy issue out of all their afflictions. And this we beg for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. Thank you for falling into First Formation, where PewPewHQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, you can participate in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash pewpewhq. You can contribute as little as a dollar a month, and you can cancel at any time if I ever piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a lectionary reading for a future episode. Instructions will be provided, and you don't have to be a grunt to collaborate with pewpewhq in this or any way. Finally, you can also record and send prayer requests of a minute or less. Prayers can be included in the episode, read anonymously if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in First Formation. I hope you'll continue to listen, even if I can't convince you to jump in. This has been Brother Logan Isaac, always faithful, always family.
Semper Familia.